Welcome to Nerd vs. World, episode 53, The Rocky Horror Picture Nerd. I'm Brendan. I'm Spindles. And on today's episode, we've got a roundup of the latest wave of new season premieres from the States, uh, some talk about NYCC, um, as well as looking forward to new Netflix shows, including Jessica Jones. Mm. And Spindles will be uh, guiding you through what to expect from that series once he's talked about Rage Quitting American Horror Story. <laughs> Yeah, guide you through why you shouldn't watch that. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, a more mainstream press coverage seems to have cottoned on to the latest round of Firefly Season 2 rumours and demands, so we'll talk about that. And uh, Ready Player One, Spielberg's mm. announcement about that too. Yep. Cool. Cool. So, so yeah, just just before we get in, so yeah, I've got to say, 40th anniversary of Rocky Horror. Uh, there's a show going out on I think it's BBC America uh, next week. I'll, I'll, I'll root out the dates and put a link to it in the show notes. But uh, it's a recording of uh, the same run of shows that I went to, but a, a slightly different night. So the night I went, it was Richard O'Brien doing the narration, and the, the night of this, there was also uh, Anthony Head, Emma Bunton, and a whole bunch of other people doing guest narration on the night. Baby Spice was doing a narration absolutely wow <laughs> so yeah that uh, that's pretty cool and there was also um i don't know if you saw the pictures uh last week of the cast reunion so they got a lot of the cast back they got tim curry susan sarandon uh the guy who played brad uh magenta and they all sat and did a, a, a kind of watch through the film and there were nice. some pictures and it was really cool so yeah very happy with that and it, hopefully they'll release this show as, as a, a kind of collector's edition blu-ray that, cool. that will be awesome yeah so yes happy birthday rocky horror yeah indeed cool so let's start with tv then okay cool and we're going to yeah. start with the show that we missed off last time out mm-hmm. uh, which was gotham Gotham. Okay, yeah, I've I've still not watched this. So you're gonna to have to take the lead on this okay, one too because I've, I've I've still not finished last season. And I know you said not to bother not and to just bother, kind of yeah. pick it up. Uh, and I might. I've got kind of four episodes now to watch, so I may well pick that up. But for now, yeah, I've, I've no clue what's going on. Okay, so uh, long-time listeners to the show will know that I fell out with Gotham over it not quite finding its own place and trying too hard to to tip the hat to wider Batman canon. Um, but I was bored on the Monday that it came out, and so I watched the first episode of season two just to see if it had picked up, and by God has it picked up. The subtitle for the second season is Rise of the Villains. Uh, I've watched the first four episodes of the season now, which includes a return to the TV of the wonderful Michael Chiklis as the new uh, police chief. All right, cool. But, um, yeah, so... The pilot for the second season um, centred around Jerome as the Joker and Barbara and a few others being broken out of Arkham by a new arrival in town. Mm-hmm. A man called Theo Gallivan. Now he's there with his sister who's Tabitha Gallivan and she is very definitely being portrayed as the Tigress for this, okay. in, this incarnation. I can't work out who Theo Gallivan is. There are rumours that he is another interpretation of Rachel Ghoul. Right. Um, and he certainly has the same sort of rhetoric that uh, Liam Neeson has hmm. from Batman. But I'm kind of hoping it's not. There's been more in the last couple of episodes talk about his family being part of Gotham from centuries ago, which makes me think that he's part of a more recent Batman storyline which is the Court of the Owls right. and the oh, Talons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be that he's connected that way. Um, he dispatches of someone. No spoilers going to be given here. He kills someone who was a character that I wanted to see continue in this series, and he uses a blade which reminds me a lot of a Talon's blade. Okay. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, he's uh, he's the new big bad, but positioning himself as the big good. So he's running for mayor to have all the power and influence and he's letting Penguin take the flak mm-hmm. Penguin is just one of the best characters on TV at the moment personally but yeah it's it's an interesting start and it's violent and it's in your face and it's not putting any punches Okay, it looks like it saved itself 
I'm very intrigued to see where it goes. Yeah, it'll be good. Incidentally, the movie Bob, who, again, listeners of the show will know I'm a huge fan of, <laughs> tweeted out a multi-part tweet of what could save Gotham, and I thought it was fascinating. So his idea is, for the end, for the, like the penultimate episode of season two, kill Bruce Wayne. And then in the last episode, the finale, in all the panic and the mess, a figure appears from the darkness behind Jim Gordon, and it's Batman. Mm. And he says, in every universe, I protect this city, apart from this one. In this one, I die. Yeah. In this one, it falls on you, Jim. That would be awesome. Because that, that way, like season three onwards then, is free of having to retread Batman stories. It's and it just, can progress on its own canon yeah, from there. It's just... Gotham City Police Department mm. fighting Batman villains, yeah. which I think would be, which I think would be, pretty, pretty. Yeah, awesome. yeah, I think it'd be awesome. So, but yeah, we'll see how they go. There's cool. there's a point in episode three of season two where I thought they were going to do that. Mm. I mean, the way that Theo Gallivan and the way that they've portrayed the villains and the maniacs so far in this season, you wouldn't be surprised if major characters got killed. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, you know. Uh, if they're brave enough to do it, that'll be awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah. But it definitely brought it back into it. It's now must-watch TV for me. Okay, cool. Because last season it just drifted into yeah. obscurity. Well, we'll stick with the thread and carry on with other returning DC-type shows, which we had Arrow and Flash. Cool. Double Bill come back. So I know I've seen I've seen both. I don't think you, you've... I've seen Arrow. You've seen Arrow, yeah, not yeah, seen yeah. Flash. Okay. Well, I won't go into any spoilers, obviously, about Flash, but uh, it deals very much with the fallout of last season, uh, the ending where stuff got unwrote in reality and, uh, we, and then we had some high-profile deaths going on from characters in the show. So it's the fallout with that, and it's Flash kind of trying to distance himself from the rest of the team and try and go it alone. And Yeah, it, yeah it's 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 interesting to see the dynamic now because a lot of the characters have moved into different spaces. So uh, Cisco is working with the police department now, uh, and then the other scientist is off doing something somewhere else. So they've kind of spread to the four winds a little. Um and yeah, this episode's all about kind of individual people's journeys, and there's a lot of weird kind of uh, I want to say flashbacks, but that sounds cheesy. Uh, <laughs> there are kind of weird, like dream, almost daydream type sequences that are happening throughout the entire episode, which I think are kind of hinting more towards the idea that they're going to be exploring the kind of multi- multiple universe theory in this. Yeah, well, I think we'll come back to this in the NYCC section, mm. but the sizzle trailer for Flash definitely showed multiverse crossovers. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, that'd be interesting. So, yeah, it's a, it was a a solid start back for Flash. I mean, I think I always found Flash a bit kind of glib and a bit more shiny last season, but I think again, it's it's coming back with a slightly more mature feel this season. Yeah, it was one of those shows that again lost me last season mm. in the way it was put across I, I think what they've done at the end of the season has redressed a lot of the problems that happened last season and they've kicked this season off very well that's cool okay and it's obvious that they're going to draw massive lines between all those three shows this year between Flash Arrow and Legends, Legends. so I think there's going to be a huge amount of crossover because we had the prison, ba- prison Break Brothers back at the start of this episode again as a kind of saying into them turning up later on. Yeah. Cool. So well, yeah, that was that. And, and Arrow, and of Arrow. course. That was very interesting. I loved the new Oliver Queen in this episode. Yep. Um, I like the mix of flashback and flash forward. Yeah. Because there's a flash forward, which was just such a tease. Because mm. you're expecting to pan round to the front of the gravestone, and it never comes. Yep, and they didn't. Yeah. So that's going to be a talking point for the entire season is who was that. So, Whose gravestone yeah. is that? So with Arrow, Oliver Queen, again, is trying to go his own way. He's trying to have his own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and in his stead, his sister and Black Diggle Canary. and Black Canary are all fighting his fight mm-hmm. in his absence. Um, I'm loving the fact that Thea is clearly displaying issues from being resurrected from the Lazarus pit. Yeah, she's a tad on the bloodthirsty yeah. edge. Yeah, she's loving it far too much. I'm liking that he is calling a speedy. That's yeah. also very cool. 
Um, but yeah, he's dragged back in to help fight these ghosts mm. and the new big bad. He's revealed himself in episode one. Yep. Just like, well, that's bold. Yeah. Unless it's a misdirect. Could be, but... But uh, he's prominent in Flash the, and Legends. The, the rumour is that he's going to be recurring in uh, in Flash and Legends. So the big bad is Damien Dark. Mm. Um, which is which, interesting, he's jumped franchises from being a howling commando. <laughs> but he was mentioned in the last season as well. It's mm. brought up in the flashback, so yeah. he's... Oh, it's about the there. actor, because he's, he's oh, yeah. one of the howling commandos in Captain America. Yeah. So, yeah and it's cool that Damien Dark is the big bad, because they're... It feels a little bit like they're getting onto the mystical side. Mm. And I think this is how we're going to crowbar John Constantine into the season. Ah, of course, yes. Because there was the whole... I'd the whole forgotten, magic. I'd completely forgotten about the whole get Constantine yeah. into Arrow and that happening. Of course. So I think that's how they're going oh, to did, do did, it. We, did we even cover that at all, that happening over yeah. this summer? Did we? Did we talk about... Yeah, we talked about that. Right, I'm sure okay. we did. Wow, yeah, I, I had completely forgotten about that. Hell yes, bring in Constantine. Because he's in the sizzle reel for for Arrow from NYCC as well. Mm. And he was in the season two, well, season, season four mm. promo trailers. So yeah, I think the, the magic side of it, that's uh, where we get Constantine in. That'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, I'd look forward to that. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd totally forgotten about that. Yeah. yeah, there you go. But yeah, anyway, the episode ends with... Um, him announcing himself as the green arrow rather than the yes. arrow. So there's the evolution of the character there. And then the episode f- finishes properly with a flash forward mm. six months. Um, where we see Oliver Queen and your man the Flash standing at a gravestone. Mm-hmm. But it's never revealed who it is. Nope. What's your, who's your money on? My mind immediately goes to Felicity. It's Felicity Smoke, yeah. That, that, that's the immediate assumption. But it's too obvious. Probably. So it could be Thea. It could be... Oh, I don't know. It could be anyone. It could be a character we haven't met yet. Yeah. Which is, which I think is more than likely. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting ride to get there. It certainly is. But yeah, so that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was that's, that show's always been good. It's been consistently good. For oh episode yeah, yeah. One. I think from when it first started, Arrow, it arrived with a bang and has never really kind of gone off the boil. Yeah. There are certain things I don't really remember from kind of season two and three that have occurred. That you know how he started working with Amanda Waller. I've completely forgotten how that all came about and the whole Mirakuru and the island and stuff. And, mm. So, oh, yeah. yeah, of course. In the flashback, we see these being sent back to the island. Yes. So, which is which is presumably going to bring us up to the point where we met him at season one. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was thinking. So yeah, I think we've got some circles being closed and more yeah. being opened this season. But it's cool. Bring it on. It's yeah, it's looking fantastic. Yeah, it's a great show. So other returning shows, Supernatural returned. <sighs> yeah, it did, didn't it? It did. Go on. And all the promise of that finale has just been lost. Yeah. I mean, the whole Rise of the Darkness, the whole, well, sort of now annual event of the Winchester Brothers patching up their differences and saying they'll never do it again. And, like, halfway through the episode, you're thinking, this is great. And then, obviously, Dean was infected with the mark last time, so Mm. this season, it's Sam's turn. Sam gets to hold the I'm in shit bag. Yeah. It's just become far too routine now. I I think the biggest problem I've got with the show now is that they're causing much more damage than they're solving. Yeah. That they've stopped doing any kind of good things yeah, anymore. There's no hunting at all. No. They're, they're literally just causing death yeah. everywhere they go now. And, you know, I love the characters. I love the concept. Yeah. I will probably keep watching the show, but it's completely gone off the boil. Yeah. It, this isn't this isn't monster of the week, brothers family business hunting anymore. This is like every season is just like starts with a pilot that gives us a season arc. Mm. There's no standalone episodes. There's no real chance for character development because anything that you get in one season you lose straight away the next season. Because yeah, um, cause yeah I, I don't know how many times now we've we've seen one Winchester brother go through shit to save the other one mm. and then. Them fight about the other one saving him. Yeah, and like and go, I won't ever do it again. And then secrets fight about being secrets until being next week. Yeah, and then <laughs> the next season is just the same story, yeah. but it's the other brother. Yeah, uh, 
And there's a worry that this Darkness storyline is going to turn into the Leviathan storyline. Well, yeah. There's already, you know... Which was just like... Black smoke, black yeah. tendrils. The Leviathan season was probably... Rubbish 28 days season. later references. Yeah. But... So... The thing is, the thing, the problem with Supernatural, though, is when it's good, it's really fucking good. Yeah, indeed. And, like, one one or two standout episodes of a season can make you just forgive the season. Yeah. Like, season 10 wasn't the strongest, but the musical episode for the 200th yeah. episode was literally fan fiction on Phenomenal. stage. And, and, it and Felicia Day last season was just stunningly good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they have certain arcs that just make you go, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. But I mean, again, I'm bored of the Castiel fallen angel arc. It's yeah. just like, oh dear God, really again? <laughs> yeah. Oh well, we'll still watch it. Of course, yeah. Well, so undoubtedly, we'll have a whinge and a moan about it over the next year, but we won't stop watching it. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, we'll continue to praise it when it's good. Hmm. Very much so. Did you see the um, them welcoming other shows to where they filmed? Yeah, because they all film up in Canada. Yeah, they? they're yeah. all in Vancouver. <laughs> it was like Supernatural welcomes, and I can't remember who it was. Was it Legends or was it something? I think like, it's Legends. I think it was Legends. Yeah. So yeah, they, they just got the big picture of the two of them going, "Hi, welcome to Vancouver." <laughs> Which is cool. I mean, the, that, those guys seem like they have such a good laugh doing it, and seem like genuinely good guys. And you can get that feeling from watching like the Nerd HQ panels with yeah. those, those two. Yeah, yeah. They do seem like they love it. All four of the, the principal male characters in that show, sort of Mark Shepard and yes, Misha Collins as well. Yeah, I was. I liked what they did with uh, with Crowley in this first episode, but I was I was a bit gutted that Mark Shepard was robbed the chance to do that role in that episode because <laughs> I think he would have been brilliant yeah. in that. But it was just yeah, I, again without giving spoilers, there, there's just that certain sequence that I think would have been perfect if it had been Mark Shepard yeah. playing it, and the lines that come after yeah. it as well. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, it's just proof the show still has its good moments. Oh, There's yeah. still I mean, life in yeah. it. The, the dialogue is, is cracking, yeah. and it always has been. It's just the ideas are running stale. Yeah, and you're right. It does feel like they're causing more harm than they're actually fixing. Yeah. But hey, maybe that's the way that's going to go. Well, yeah, indeed. Other new shows? Other new ones? Um, I'm trying to think. Before we get to The Walking Dead. What else have I watched? Well, yeah, there's, there's Walking Dead. Okay, well, I'll have my rant about American Horror Story now. Okay, go for it. Just very quickly. Um, I, I don't want to go too in detail because, uh, I mean, I could sit and tear it apart for hours. But I guess my, my, my backstory with American Horror Story is I loved season one. I thought it was a fantastic idea and it played with the whole haunted house idea really, really well. And had some brilliant casting choices with Zach- in Zachary Quinto and a couple of other people in that first season and that was fantastic the second season also I thought was very very good and then it started to kind of go downhill a bit and became a vehicle for some of the main characters to do song and dance routines which was yeah all a bit wrong and then kind of this season's come back with Matt Bomer from White Collar uh as one of the main characters and Lady Gaga as another. Okay. Um, and it's all set in a hotel uh, and various people get murdered, raped, pulled apart, all sorts of stuff in the first half an hour with ridiculous wide-angle lens shots all over the place going, hey, look, isn't this hotel pretty? And it just it, it, it ground me to the point of I had to turn it off after about 40 minutes. Right. I just I actually couldn't finish watching it. It was just there was absolutely nothing cohesive about it at all. Now, there will likely be an explanation for it all later on. Mm. Um, I will guarantee you that it's something along the lines of 90% of the people in that hotel are already dead and just bring in new people and kill them. And I think that's essentially it. So you get Matt Bomer and Lady Gaga going out to a midnight screening of Nosferatu and bring a couple back for shenanigans and then end up killing and eating them. So, you know, they're closest things to vampires if they're not actually vampires. Um, It's it's just gratuitous for gratuitous sake. There's, There's nothing that it has no redeeming features 
at all in that first episode. It's Curious. just it's turned into hostile. Okay. Well, that's a shame. It is a shame because you know that the the show had an idea and it kept making you want to come back and find out what was going on, and then just over the years, it's just become an excuse for gratuitous sex and violence with the odd dance routine thrown in here and there for no apparent reason. So, you know, it, it, it has just become glee with tits and blood. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that, that's my take on it. So I, I would say, you know, don't bother. Well, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> don't bother. I'm trying to think if there's a... If there's an essay in that. It's just the academic in me thinking. Do, does TV have to push those sort of boundaries now? Well, is there, I, is I think there... that it's, it's becoming about the shock value yeah. now. But it's fine if you're Game of Thrones and you've got a good narrative to back it. But if you're just artily filming people being chopped up, eaten, raped, murdered, pillaged, looted, torn apart. It just it loses any kind of impact. Yeah. And it is just all about the, hey, wasn't it cool when he started chewing on intestines? So that's not stuff that I watch. I, I, no. I, I couldn't watch something like that. No. I'm fairly sure there's an essay in there, though. I'm sure there is. The yeah. academic in me is... It will be all about you know, desensitisation and... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Desensitisation is the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the need to provide bigger and better shocks... And the fact that the news is... There's an issue that I reckon that the news is so shocking 24-7 that we're already desensitised to yeah. it in our, in our everyday factual Yeah, world. absolutely. So, so it, the, it is the old sociological TV debate. Yeah. The fiction has to compete with fact, yeah. which means just pushing extremism. It's extremism, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm saying that because I'm about to start lecturing <laughs> on cultural issues. And that's going to be one of them because obviously TV and broadcast is a huge cultural industry. Because mm. long-time listeners to the show will know he never lectures us about anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'll let that one go. Anyways, yeah. I will step down off my soapbox. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So we can ignore. We can safety ignore American Horror yeah, Story. Yeah, uh, ignore on. that completely from from, cool. from now on. Hard. Yeah, really wouldn't bother. But one show we can't ignore that returned is The Walking Dead. Walking Dead, yeah. After a, a vaguely disappointing spin-off series in Fear the Walking Dead, uh, Walking Dead has come back with a bang this season. But here's the thing for me with The Walking Dead. Every pilot, every every season premiere has been good for me. I've really enjoyed every season opener. Okay. Um, and it's always got me really hyped for the season, which is what it's meant to do. Mm. But then usually I've ended up disappointed with the season following that opening episode. Okay. Because the episode... Was it... Um, it's the season before they go to Terminus. So that's season four, I'm guessing. From season the prisons, th- when they leave the prison. Yeah. That opening episode, which is... Whereas Carl... It's Carl's episode. I mean, yeah. So... He's probably not the greatest focus for an episode, but the way it was shot and its use of sound, mm. the fact that it was a, it was an eerily quiet episode and it yeah. made you feel alone for the first time in this world. Yeah, I loved that as a as a season opener. I thought yeah. that was exceptional. Yeah, I think last season did quiet very well. Yeah, and individual character arcs very well because it split the group. Yeah. But yeah, but that's the past. We're talking about season six now. We're talking about this one. Mm. So. Do you want to take the lead in this? Well, yeah, I, mean, I, I guess it's a very, very interesting take on the episode. They're playing with time again, yeah. Uh, but I like the way they're doing it more this time. Uh, I, I had my issues with some of the stylistic choices last season in the way they were shooting things and the way they were presenting things. But now it's a nice dynamic of uh, flashback equals black and white, yeah. modern days stark I mean, colours. Do you think they deliberately went black and white? I think because, they did, yeah. Because, because there was the confusion? Comic. And also because there was confusion over one of oh, those flashbacks in the previous seasons? Yeah, potentially, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was very clear when something wasn't yeah. in present narrative. Yes, yeah, definitely. 
But yeah, the black and white could be a homage to the comic as well. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it's like, like likely as a as a bit of a contributing factor, if if not anything else. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was interesting. It takes us to kind of where where we ended last season exactly, and and Rick and Morgan being reunited, yep. uh, and the dynamic with them continues throughout the season, and life in the uh, in the town is all very different after the uh, kind of bloodbath at the end of last season. Um. I don't, yeah, I, I, again, it it focuses on a lot of interpersonal relationships and a lot of them are very interesting this season and I think they've really downplayed a lot of the major characters in favour of the secondary ones in this first yeah. episode because there was no real moments from Daryl, from Carol. Carl's not even in it. No, he's not. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, indeed. But that, that they're very much focused on, on secondary characters yeah. Uh, and I don't know whether that's you know the usual thing of give someone a speaking role and tear their throat out next episode. Well, it pretty much was <laughs> this one. Well, this one suffered a bit from the hey remember the new guy syndrome uh, of you know sticking somebody in direct opposition to Rick that we had no idea who he was. Yeah, he's going to die. Yeah, so it was problematic, but it didn't. I, I, his his demise, again, didn't come about in the way that I kind of expected it to after the way it's all gone for the last season. But I like I, I like the hook of there are thousands of, of walkers outside the town and at any moment they could just come flooding down on them yeah. and that will be it. Yeah. And to conceive of a plan of using themselves as human bait to lure them away is brilliant. Yeah. And you almost get you get to almost the end of the episode and you think it's actually going to succeed, and obviously it can't. Mm. So, that alarm. It was alarming. Yeah. Very much so. That klaxon went off, uh, and I just sat in stunned silence. I, I, did, I was rooting for them, and all of a yeah. sudden I'm like, oh, holy fuck, who's doing that? Yeah. And then it didn't stop. Yeah, like even through the credits. And the episode closed and it didn't, didn't stop. stop. And that was, yeah, that was a holy shit moment. Yeah. The, uh, the, the visuals on this of just the scale of the walkers that are involved is like nothing we've seen so far, I don't think. No, I mean, it doesn't even come close to... Rick being trapped in the tank in the first... In Atlanta, no, it's nothing. That's, you know, a couple of hundred walkers. This is... This is tens of thousands. This is a massive, massive swarm of them. It's like, yeah, there's no... There's no holding up in your your house and hoping for the best. This is... This is Alexandria safe zone is getting fucked. Yeah. Utterly. Um, There's no two ways about it. But why and by who and who set the alarm off? So these are all hooks. Yeah, there's a lot of questions and... Yeah, there's a, a a lot of interesting ways it could go because when they've got a line of several miles of walkers that are all just now heading towards it, there is no, I doubt there's any safe route for them all to get back to the town easily no. and it will just have to scatter everyone. Which is good from a viewer's point of view because I think the last couple of seasons have worked better when they focused on individuals for an episode or two yeah because that's what this series was missing it was missing that sense that you're actually having to survive for something mm. and and you should be engrossed with that um so i guess this is one way of them bringing them back to that sort of storytelling because obviously if they're in individuals or like groups of two or three then your only choice for narrative is to make it character driven mm. at that point i don't know i mean i'm there's a possibility that they may well go down the route of doing the next episode as a now and then and doing the flashbacks of the people in the town. Oh, and you mean... Rather than dealing with the direct results of it. Of episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you mean. So it could just be, yeah. That would, that would track for me in how they've been doing episodes over the last couple of seasons yeah. that they will give the flip side of the coin... And take it up to the same point. So we'll end episode two with the klaxon rather yeah. than starting with the klaxon. Yeah. Well, it could, yeah, well, that could mean that, you know, the town, of course, the klaxon for a particular reason. And then I think we will potentially get, you know, 
more of the story of Carol and possibly Carl and the other people who were notable by their absence in that first episode. Well, Carl has a prominent role in the next episode because he was on the uh, the next time on the Walking Dead yeah. trail. So, so that's uh, I guess yeah. that's my thinking on where it's going to go. Yeah, that's probably a fair take on it. And of course, the wolves were at least they were mentioned. They in, were mentioned in the previously on the Walking Dead section. So they, they were mentioned as the, part of the episode. The three returning guys mentioned them. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did. So it's likely that that's there to keep them fresh in your memory. Yeah. So that when they turn up in, like, episode three or four, it's not a massive surprise. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I'm intrigued. And, you know, much as I, I, I know I'll be frustrated getting an episode that ends at the same place episode one did, but I've, I think that's what we're going to get. Yeah. But it'll be cool because yeah, I'm enjoying it again. Yeah, yeah it's a good. Well, uh, apart from season two, where they spent far too Pleasure long on Herschel's farm. farm. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's such a tiny aspect of the comics to yeah. stay as long as they did was just like ridiculous. It was painful. Yeah, that was the point that the show lost Emma. She was just like, they still looking for that fucking kid. That's it now. <laughs> yeah. But it's weird. Yeah, things how the evolution of the show has gone over the years and the writers and the confidence with the stories they're telling. It's kind of telling that for season two they were so unsure that they had enough scope in the material. Mm. That they had, they, it almost feels like they had. They felt like they had to stretch it. There are things that season. feel like utter sore thumbs in it now. The whole visit to the CDC at the end of season mm-hmm. one yeah, yeah. feels utterly out of place with everything else that's happened in the show because it lasted for maybe two episodes. Yeah. Or, or maybe even one. They turn up, everything goes wrong, it gets blown up, the end. It was there for two reasons. It was there... Well, it was there to give them the exposition that everyone is. Already has everyone it. has the virus already. Yeah, but that was given to Rick, and Rick didn't tell everybody yeah. until later in season yeah. two. Or but three. that was that was the point of it, was to yeah. tell them that whatever happens, you're all fucked. Yeah, and for um, Rick's mate and his missus to yeah. canoodle a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of Rick's mate, let's move on to NYCC and the... Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. John Marenthal in the Daredevil teaser. Mm. Now, it's out there. It's all over the place. It's been... There's a, a, a two-minute YouTube video from NYCC of the new Daredevil teaser for season two. It is 10%, well, if that, yeah, 10%, maybe, new footage. Everything else is just... Uh, a montage of season one. Mm-hmm. But the new footage does include Daredevil and it does include Elektra. So it's almost worth it just for those two bits. Yeah. Getting very excited for the Marvel TV series. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, the, the, the ramp up for Jessica Jones is just, it's stunning. Now, I, I, I cannot wait for this series to start. Well,. Let's get into that then, because I've never okay. read Alias, so I've never read any of the Jessica Jones stuff. I'm not okay. sure what to expect from this series. I've seen the teasers, mm-hmm. and she seems kick-ass, but can you give us some background on the character? Well, the character started out as as a hero, uh, and she's a kind of classic chemical spill gets powers type origin story, uh, and she's got flight and super strength, I think her powers um and so she starts being a hero and then eventually has a run-in with Kilgrave who, who is David Tennant who is David Tennant who mind controls her and physically abuses her and eventually she gives up being a hero and turns to being a PI instead and She's a very broken, fractured person who suffers from depression and alcoholism and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it is a very dark story. Okay. Uh, And it's all just about how she is surviving and trying to make sense of all of that. Okay, that explains something else. I saw today then um, an announcement that a graphic... A graphic scene from the comic is going to be included in the TV series. Yeah, I'm guessing that's Kilgrave and 
Potentially. Yeah, okay. That's pretty But I mean, the, the, the comics themselves are pretty graphic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, her and is it Luke Cage are not, not exactly a couple, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Luke Cage appears, I think, at the end of the series yeah. as a barman. Mm. But he's working in Harlem yeah. and he has his own issues. Yes. But yeah. So yeah, it's it's all it's all pretty gritty and pretty grim. But given the setting of Hell's Kitchen, that seems entirely appropriate. It, it it does. And with what they did with Daredevil last series, which was brutal. Yeah, it was, it really was. But it I, was just I, so I can't good. see it letting up with this. Uh so yeah, it, it it's definitely not tights and spandex type superheroes. This is yeah. Grim adult fair, so do you th- kind of Watchmen level? We'll get back to that because there's rumours of a Watchmen HBO TV series. There is indeed. Yeah, yeah I've seen those rumours <laughs> with, with Zack Snyder. Yeah, leave it alone. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, it, it does need left alone. Yeah, you know? I, I watched the four-hour ultimate cut of Watchmen again last night, and it doesn't need anything else. Yeah, that that's no. perfect, apart from the missing squid. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Jessica Jones then, don't expect light and, light and fluffy, expect gritty. Expect uh, uh, yeah, expect comic, gritty. N- comic noir. Unpleasant, yeah, and dealing with some pretty unpleasant issues and, and mental issues. Okay, well that's brave. So I'll be looking, I'm looking forward to it anyway, but I'm so looking forward to see where they go with it. Hmm. Um, it's, I think it's going to be an excellent series, yeah. Well, the hype from NYCC, New York Comic Con, um, has been that it's excellent. Because mm. the first episode has been shown there, and the reviews have been overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. I, I, I can, I'm almost preparing myself for watching the episodes and at the end of each one going, fucking hell. Because I think that's what it's going to be like. Okay. Well... You know, that sort of thing appeals to me, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And that's what Daredevil was, yeah. you know. That ep- end of episode two with that fight sequence when you just came out of that going, Jesus. Well, the, the one continuous shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, well, I think I've said it before, for me it was the point where he finally gets Kingpin's name out of someone. Yeah. And the guy's like, you should have just killed me, and then headbutts yeah. that spike and yeah. just kills himself. That was, for me, I was just like, Fuck. Yeah. Do you think there's a risk though that the sort of the freedom they have with Netflix to tell brutal stories sort of lowers the chance that this character these characters in this universe will eventually meet? I think I think it's gonna make it problematic for them to cross over with the cinematic universe. But then again, I don't mind that because then you've got different levels of the franchise. Yeah. They exist in the same space and it's like the world. That there are different levels that people exist on. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can either choose to watch the gritty, grim, dark stuff or the shiny spandex. It's your call. And just know that they all exist in the same universe. We'll stick on the Marvel Universe just for a second then, because we want to go back to what we talked about last episode, mm-hmm. which was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. Um, the character, the inhuman, the giant spiky inhuman whose name we couldn't, <laughs> couldn't figure... Yes. ...was Lash. Lash. Yes. There we go. Yes. So thanks for everybody who sort of <laughs> messaged us to <laughs> let us know. <laughs> yes. We we did I'd actually put up the name like with the episode. But yeah, we still got a, I still got a few. <laughs> uh, and interestingly, we talked about crossovers, um especially given the more recent episodes of Agents of Shield where it's very it's almost certain the, the Terrigen bomb and the rise of the Inhumans is the cause for civil war. Mm. Uh, the president yes. was the president from Iron Man 3. Yeah. So, okay, so we, yeah, we were right we, on that. We do have some continuity there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which is cool. Yeah. I, I, I loved, um, oh, I forgot his name now, Peter McNichol in that latest yes. Agent Shield. He was awesome. How awesome was he? Well, and I want him to come back as a recurring character. Hell yeah. His, his role on CSI Cyber is gone, mm. so they might they might as well. And he was great. Yeah. And, you know, Daisy as Quake has got powers and strength, and, and the Mac is now no longer really the muscle of the group mm. because Quake has taken that role. But it could use someone like 
an Asgardian with a couple of authority issues to join the team and start helping them recruit and train more Inhumans. Because they go after Lincoln again in episode three mm. and they have to give him up um, in order to protect... Well, Coulson gives him up in order to protect Daisy. I've not seen it yet. I've got episode three to watch tonight when I get home. Yeah, but that's not all yeah, that yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. So... But the end of end episode two when they destroy the monolith, yeah, that was pretty impressive. It was, yeah. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Gemma's character arc goes this season because she's starting this season now in the same place that like Fitz was mm. last season, sort of pretty broken. Broken, yeah, yeah. Um, and with a tale to tell, yeah, which she still hasn't told yet. No. But I'm intrigued because yeah, waking up grabbing a knife—that's mm. kind of. I want to know what was hunting her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't I want to all. know what the planet was. Yeah. Like everybody wants to know what the planet yeah. was. I mean, we can all guess it was a Cree, a Cree planet, yeah. just from the color. But which one? Or what's going on? Will we we'll find see. out, or will that be for Guardians of the Galaxy Two? <laughs> well, possibly. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Oh fuck. <laughs> So it's got to see two new films. Because the Inhumans films have been pushed back, yep. of course. And so um, that was one of the latest round of announcements just before Comic-Con, in fact, was the announcement of three new films. Yep. No details on what they are. Oh, well, actually, one of them is Ant-Man and the Wasp. The other two are still un- unnamed titles at the moment. Yep. Um, but given the news as well that Hulk will be appearing in Thor Ragnarok, yep. there's a chance we could see we could maybe see uh, Planet Hulk movie is one of those I know, but that, that, it, that's one of those thorny rights issues that has never been fixed apparently is the, the Hulk thing ah bugger which is why the other ones are universal I think yeah it's universal oh, the first, studios the first one Hulk. yeah the Ang Lee one yeah I think they still own the majority rights on the character oh well that's an ass. yeah is that why he's just because he's, he's on a six-movie deal. Yeah. So he's just doing parts in other films. Yeah. Oh, that's so annoying. they can't have a film with the name Hulk in it without uh, Universal a shed load of rights to Universal. Oh, that sucks so much, because World War Hulk and Planet Hulk would have been awesome. Mm. And, like, the end of Ultron, when he just disappears, gives you the impression that he's setting up one of those. But, yeah, I, I did the research on it and found that's potentially the biggest, thorniest issue and why it hasn't happened yet. Well, I suppose one of those films that's filling that gap is Spider-Man. So, mm. if they can, if Universal can see the success that Sony and Marvel enjoy together, maybe they'll yeah. loosen their rights. Which could be why they've just pen- why well, well, they haven't named these products yet. They could like mm. be it hopefully penciling yeah. them in. Yeah. But speaking uh, of, of Mark Ruffalo and, and Comic Con, did you see he was one of the celebs in disguise yeah. this year? As a very creepy. It was massively <laughs> very, creepy. Very creepy Mario. There's, they really get into it. I suppose... It's... That was him with his son, apparently, as well, because his son wasn't in any costume, but then again... No one knows, no who, one knows who his son is. But you sent me the picture of the best one, and yeah. that was uh, Jared Leto as Rafiki with Jokers. Yeah. <laughs> that was just brilliant, just trolling on Instagram, going, he had no idea. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Utter genius. Okay. So yeah, if, if you haven't seen that image, I will, I will put a link to that in the yeah. in the show notes because it's just it, it is premium trolling from Jared Leto. <laughs> and of course, the news as well recently that Jared Leto spoke to Grant Morrison mm. um, for advice on how to play the Joker. Yeah. So that's interesting because given the rest of the context for Batman versus Superman and the whole Dark Knight Frank Miller side of it to go with the Grant Morrison because he was Arkham Asylum mm. and uh, his Joker was nuts mm. so that Joker Jared Leto now he comes to mention it it's like okay that could possibly work mm. you don't see the likeness because the art style in Grant Morrison's work yeah. is very, very different. So different to what you'd normally expect. I love his art style. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it could be interesting to see where it goes. Mm. I'm more and more coming around to your idea that actually Joker that he's is the bad the guy bad in guy. Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Uh, uh, yeah, there was an interesting one the other day that Will Smith had said that he's never actually met Jared Leto, yet he's only met the Joker. Yeah, that's because he was saying that he gets so method about how yeah. his approach to the character. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So yeah, that, that I, I'm still hedging my money on the fact that he is the bad guy, yeah, I and think, not, not part of the team. I think, he, I th- yeah, I think you're right. I think they sent the character in, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's stick with New York Comic Con then. Yep. Um. There was a panel starring Nathan Fillion, <laughs> Alan Tudyk, Junior Torres, and Jewel State, and obviously, whenever multiple members of Firefly get together. There will always be that one question from the audience of, would you get together and do a season two? I wonder if there's a formula for, you know, if there's more than two, if there's more than three on a panel, then they'll get asked the question. Every every panel I've ever seen with with the crew, they always get asked that. Mm. Like, go back and watch the 10th anniversary panel from San Diego Comic Con a couple of years ago, and they still get asked it. But for some reason, I've seen a lot more... I think it's the whole clickbait worthiness of the headline mm. itself. But a lot more agencies have been putting out the news of, Fire, could we have a Firefly season two? To the extent that today I saw Wired put out an article saying, it's time for Netflix and Amazon to greenlight a second season of this show. I was like, they've been asked this question like every convention since the show was cancelled. Yeah. And Fox are universally panned in modern culture enough as it is about cancelling Firefly. There's references to that in in all sorts of shows. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when it was cancelled, I was gutted and I was really upset. Firefly was an important show to me at a really difficult time. But I've had a second season. Mm-hmm. Leaves on the Wind is the second season everyone's looking for because it picks up after Serenity. And it's a, it's a comic series that's well worth reading. And Buffy fans are no stranger to this, because Buffy yeah, fans are now up to season, season 10. Is, oh, season 11's about to start, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, but so far it's just just the 10 in, in comics. back-to-high-school one-shots coming out as well. Yeah, and this is where we talk about cultural convergence and sort of, like, cultural hybridity. I mean, these these shows aren't restricted to a medium in the way they used to be. No. They can now cross. And they cross particularly well when you have, like, Jed Whedon on board, mm. like, writing these shows. Yeah. So, I... And I'd be torn. I would... I don't think I could objectively review a new season of Firefly on TV. And I think I'd probably end up disappointed if it came up again. And I think I just want to stay with the episodes that we have... Because in my mind, they're perfect. Hmm. And I just think it's time to let it go. I, I think so. You know, I, I think that all the actors and Joss have progressed well beyond yeah. what it was in that time. And I think to go back now would just... It would cheapen the whole thing and turn it into a Heroes Reborn. Yeah. You know. I mean, like, we're still flying, you know. Just because the show's not on air anymore doesn't mean that the brown coats aren't no. out there doing stuff. And and there's enough fan stuff out there being created. The brown coat movie. I don't. I don't think we need it. I think the comics are a great medium for telling that story because they have much more freedom, and we don't need to worry about the fact that fourteen years have passed. Mm. So that's that's my take on it I mean I think the brown coats won at the point that you got Serenity yeah 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 and that was you know that was the first kind of fan uprising to go hey look bring this thing back and do it and it got brought back and it got done and it got done well yeah and it got done by a different studio which mm. again we're going to have those pesky rights issues because mm. now Fox and Universal are all in a piece of the pie mm. um, but no so you know I think the brown coats won and now it's all it, it. It's expanding the franchise now. You don't need the original thing again. No, you don't. It's grown way beyond that. And the community out there is just great anyway. Yeah. I mean, you, you're never alone as a Firefly fan. There's always, 
there's always a connection there because it's a, it's a show that did touch a lot of people. And there's a new one born every day. Yeah. Every now and then I keep getting someone coming in, oh, I've only just watched it and yeah. I've binge-watched the entire thing and it's brilliant. The, the feeling you get when you lend someone your DVD box mm. set of Firefly and they give mm. it back to you and they're grinning is, mm. is great. And you try to pick your favourite episode as you're watching them, you go, oh, this is my favourite. And then like you, the next one starts, and like, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot about this one. <laughs> um, and seriously, I have, in my old house, I pretty much had a shrine to the final. So I, had a, I have huge 20 posters, and I've got the collector's edition anniversary book with all the, the character prints. It was a massive show to me, but I think... I don't think it would ever be the same if it was to come back. No, I don't think it would. But... What surprised me is just how much agencies have picked this up. I mean, the Mary Sue picked this up, and um, Wyatt picked this up. There's this new place called Peel the Orange, which uh, Make a Dread sequel keep um, posting links to, mm. which seems to be up again. But some of the big ones didn't. I mean, CBI didn't. But like, yeah, just like it just seemed to cross this sort of invisible line between niche nerd culture and mainstream culture yeah. and I think it's the fact that any Firefly fan will click on a link that says possible season 2 Firefly yeah. even though they know in the heart of hearts that it's never going to happen yeah. the, the more interesting one for me was the potential for more Doctor Horrible oh yeah <laughs> which is Cause great because they, they had a cast reunion of that with yeah, uh, yeah Felicity Day Joss Whedon uh, Neil Patrick Harris and Nathan Finian there's some great Instagram photos yeah, I'd, l- I'd love to see more of that. That yeah, would be great. Yeah, that'd be cool. Apparently I was reading an article that uh, that's made him more money than the the first Avengers movie did. Yeah, I saw that as well. <laughs> um, it's definitely... Here's the thing, though. Is it, is it the creator or is it the content? Because I find it hard to... I think it's say, a bit of both. And yeah. I think it, it, it's also testament to the people involved in it. Yeah, because the... the the amount of love that he gets, and the amount of love that his projects get, I mean, universally, even the ones that get cancelled and slated early, people still love Alphas, mm. you know? And Cabin in the Woods was one of the surprise hits of that year. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason it should have been a surprise. Anything that he's helming is going to be successful. Yeah. Uh, but when we were at Nine Worlds, and the amount of people who just knew the words to every song from Dr. Horrible, <laughs> and dressed up and performed... Was incredible, yeah. and uh, it's almost Rocky Horror. It, it, it is, you know, yeah, yeah, in, in, it totally is. In the way that they embrace and completely fall into this world that he's created. It will be interesting to see if there's a 40th anniversary Doctor Horrible. That'd be cool. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's. A, I think you're right. I think it's a bit of both. But which which are you drawn to first? Are you, are you drawn to the show because it's written by him, or are you drawn to him because it's written by the, because of the shows that he's written? It's a chicken and egg thing. It is, yeah. But yeah, everything he touches seems to turn to gold. And if he'd just been able to have his way with Alien Resurrection, we'd have had a better yeah, we would have better had a much ending better to that movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Uh, hey ho. So what are we going to finish on? Oh, Ready Player One. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so. I'm never going to finish the Ready Player One challenge. I'm not going to do it in a year. I think a year was uh, excessive. And the challenge, for those who haven't been following my Twitter or my Instagram, is for me to watch every film referenced in the book Ready Player One. Uh, I made a list. There's about 81 movies that that are either directly named or obliquely referenced to. And there's some pretty oblique references. Um... (sighs) So I set the challenge of watching them all in a year. I think I've maybe watched... 14 or I'm, so. I'm 14? Yeah. I've oh, watched, you've got to watch more than that. Nope. No, I really haven't. I really haven't watched as many as that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I've really... Because I don't have uh, a TV aerial at home, so I can't just watch a film if it's on yeah, TV. Yeah. So every film that I have that I watch, I have to sit down and make time to watch, mm-hmm. which means getting the Blu-rays or having it on Netflix or Amazon mm. Prime. So, yeah, but given that I was... Given the amount that I'm working and the extra stuff I'm taking on at work and the masters, it's like it's been difficult to to watch films. Mm. Incidentally, I have tracked every movie I've watched this year for no particular reason, but I've 
made note of every film I've seen, and I've tracked the format that I've watched it in, whether it's streamed on Netflix or Amazon, whether it's DVD, Blu-ray, or cinema. Okay, be interesting. And at the to, end of the year, I'm going to yeah. publish my <laughs> publish my yeah, findings. I'd like to see that on my viewing on my viewing habits, uh, and also see like when I'm most likely to watch films when I'm not. So yeah, all the days are in there. Mm-hmm. And again, this isn't like I come home from work, put the TV on, and there's a film on I happen to watch it, because mm. there's no TV aerial, so I have to... Yeah. Every film I've watched on this list, I've had to make the time to watch. Right. So I suppose I've got it a little bit easier with having Sky and On Demand, so I can just go, oh, I want yeah. that one now. Yeah, yeah, I don't have any of that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, on October the 21st, I'll be crossing three films off the list in one day. Of course. Back to the Future Day. But anyway, <laughs> are all three of them on the list? Huh? Are all three of them on the yeah. list? Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll be crossing another three off the list yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I don't know how many I'm up to. I really haven't got a clue because I've been adding them, but I've I haven't added a few. Years. I haven't added a couple recently, but they're on my spreadsheet, but not on the main thing. Right. Okay. But I've Instagrammed everything. I think the last few I watched were I, I worked through the John Hughes section. Yeah. So I did Sixteen Candles and I did uh, Breakfast Club. Yeah. And I'd done, done Pretty in Pink. Real Genius there. and Breakfast Club fairly recently. Yeah, I got Real Genius to cross off. Yeah. And a Ferris Bueller as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I did a few of the John Hughes ones fairly recently yeah. as well. But anyway, um, the point is that Spielberg is adapting this movie for the big screen. And I have a few issues. I mean, if anyone's going to do it, Spielberg's the person to do it. The novel, for those who haven't read it, is basically a homage to the 80s. Yeah. It's essentially um, a pop culture love letter disguised as a quest within a computer game. Which is probably the best way of describing it, mm. I'd say. And it's my favourite book. My Amazon purchases show that I've bought so many copies of this book because I've literally just bought one and sent them to a friend. I know. Um, I my, have one. Yeah. Well, you, 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 I lent you my copy, and then like at Christmas, I, I bought an, I bought someone else a copy for their Christmas present, and they were reading it whilst they were on holiday. And they messaged me saying, "I've just read it in a day. I love it." And I was like, "Oh, sweet! I want to read it." I was like, "Oh shit!" So I was back in Worcester at the time, so I couldn't actually just mm. go around and get it. So I just Amazon primed another copy to you for the next day, <laughs> and then sat and read it. Um, and like I know uh, Marcus from Rule Thirty Two, he was he put up a status about. Um, all my friends talking about this film, I should probably get around to reading it at some point, get my own copy. Anyone got a copy that I can borrow? And I was just like, dude, what's your address? So I just bought him a copy, sent him a copy of the book. Uh, <laughs> but it is great, and it is one of those books that you just have to read. And if, yeah. you, if you are in any way nostalgic for old-school D&D, uh, 8-bit computer games, and 80s movies, then it's a book that you're going to adore. But a movie adaptation of that does raise some some issues, not least the fact that there's going to be a massive rights issue. Mm. Uh, one of the principal quests in this book is a reenactment of the War Games film, mm. and like the studio that owns War Games is not the same studio that's producing the movie. Yeah. So there's that, and what's come to light recently is that Spielberg has said that he's going to remove any reference to himself from the film because he doesn't think it should be about that which is kind of gutting, because it means you won't see um, Parseval driving the DeLorean, because mm. obviously Spielberg has a massive part of Back to the Future. Uh, well, and you know, if it's a love letter to 80s movies, 80s sci-fi movies, you think Spielberg. You do, yeah. I mean, you think that for... And not just sci-fi, but you think Goonies, you think E.T. Well, mm. E.T. sci-fi, but you think, yeah, Indiana Jones. Yeah. You know, you think all these films, you think Spielberg. Um I mean, I was happy with the, his choice as director because I thought his work on Super 8 mm. definitely has that 80s feel. Yeah, yeah. It's when Abrams gets hold of it and gives you the monster yeah. that everything goes to shit in that film, as far as I'm concerned. The first part is a great little buddy movie. Yeah. The second half is awful. But yeah, to kind of remove himself and his references, he wants to make it a cautionary tale about where we're going because he doesn't think that the movie world is necessarily 40 to 50 years from now. He thinks it's like 5 to 10 years away where a computer game becomes addictive as a drug and we lose ourselves in that. And he wants to make it a cautionary tale about losing ourselves in a false reality and not making the most of what we have in the real world. Which, 
I guess in a roundabout way is kind of the point they make at the end of the book mm-hmm. but it misses the whole point of the book mm. so I'm getting a little bit concerned now up to now I've been fairly quiet about this when people have posted articles I've been like yeah but you know who else is going to do it but now he said this I'm kind of like a little bit worried mm. but we'll see I don't know what do you think I, I, I really don't know to be honest dude it's I, I don't think in any way this film is going to have the same impact on me as it is you um, and you know I, I guess my hope is that it, it that it's done in a way that you you enjoy it uh, I, I I can imagine that it's never going to be perfect for you but I hope it does it justice yeah. Uh, and yeah I I guess if anyone is going to do it justice it's going to be Spielberg so I think it's in the safest hands it could be but then the studio is Warner's hmm. And I've never been entirely convinced with their ownership of these sort of properties. Yeah, That's the only other It very much is it. going to depend on how much they weigh in and go, hey, no, we want it to be an action movie or we want it to be this or yeah. we want it to be a love story with man meets dog. I mean, there's been, one, there's been one bit of casting for it so far and that is the part of Artemis has gone to the last from me, Earl and the Dying Girl. Mm. No, I think she's a fantastic actress. I loved that movie as well, incidentally. It was a film that out Jonathan Green to Jonathan Green. Um, not Jonathan Green who's been on... <laughs> not, not the author who's been on our show, but the author who hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. <laughs> the American John Green. Not the British John Green. Um but the problem is that she's nothing like the character from the book. Mm. I mean, the great thing about this book is that it's not traditional in how it portrays its heroes. Mm-hmm. And the Hollywood ideal is definitely not kept to in terms of characters. I mean, she's described as Rubenesque, which is a slightly larger lady, mm-hmm. um, which this actress definitely isn't. But I suppose they could do that with makeup yeah. and prosthetics. It's just whether they will. Yeah. My only issue is these heroes are heroes because it's their intentions and their souls and their hearts that are completely pure without sounding too sort of pretentious. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> but physically Sorry, but physically they're all physically they're they're flawed, they're not perfect, they're they're imperfect yeah. people. Yeah. Um but Hollywood doesn't like that. Hollywood likes no. aesthetic perfection yeah. in its characters. And that's the other thing. I don't want them to cast well-knowns. I'm, she's not a well-known actress, and I'm very happy about that. I think this is a chance for unknowns to sort of... To come in and make a mark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and have a role. But then again, is Spielberg is again the right person for doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Because he's done that so many time times. And time and time again, yeah. he just uses unknowns. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, his casting is exceptional. Yeah. So again, I'm perfectly happy with that. He wants to have it all cast by the start of the year yeah. and he wants to be filming by 1st of July next year, I think. Yeah. I think I'd, I remain cautiously optimistic. It, it's it's in the best hands it can be. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I've had to, I feel like recently I've had to justify my review of The Martian a lot. Um, and that was a book adaptation that... I loved the book off but didn't like the film so much. And that's subjective. I mean, objectively, the film is great. Mm. And I think I've clarified my my feelings on that a couple of times on Facebook recently. The yeah, film yeah, I think you have. is a great film, yeah. but I just had... But, yeah, and yeah, people are always going to have issues if mm. it's not quite what it could be. So, yes, and you've, you've got a record of saying, you know, that is your purely yeah. subjective opinion. And it is, but that's you know that's what this is about. That's why yeah. we started doing this yeah, in the yeah. first place. You know, we're, we're not here to hedge bets. We're here to actually say what we think. So fuck Absolutely. it, you said what you think, and that's correct for you. But yeah, I, had to... I, I think it's testament to the fact that other people have come back and challenged that. Yeah, no, I do as well. And like, obviously, this this whole this whole show is a two way conversation. Yeah. I mean, like, it's it's. I love I love when people get involved, but they yeah. get involved on Facebook or Twitter, and they say, "Well, actually, what about this?" Because more than just us talking about the things that we like and the films that we watch, this is, there's a much more important cultural role 
and cultural intent to this show. At least there always has been, from my point of view. Um, and we're seeing now further and more and more that the line between mainstream popular culture and niche nerd culture is just becoming so blurred Yeah. that I think it's more important than ever that a nerd a nerdy a nerdy yeah a nerdy perspective on cultural issues is given a voice which is the thing of what we do yeah I think so and I think that it's always been important for us that it's reason debate yes absolutely and that's the best thing is because you know I'm always prepared to be swayed by a convincing argument yeah. in certain things in certain things yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think you're right, it, and I, and I said that before. It's in the, it's it's the best director for the job, both for his history of working with unknown actors and for his love of the '80s. But you know, taking himself out of the film, it just worries me that maybe he's changing the content too much. Mm. But it, it could just be innocuous scenes that get left out. Yeah, could be. We'll see how it goes. Indeed. Is that about it for today? Yeah, that about brings us to an end. I guess we'll just kind of go through some stuff that's coming up. Um, obviously, we're recording something a bit interesting and new this weekend. Uh, I don't think we're recording it, necessarily. Oh, yeah? No, because we're not going to do it down here. We're going to do it in the conference suite. All right, okay. Um, but there'll be a review coming out of it, for sure. But, but yeah, we're, we're doing something we're interesting doing something and new. We're doing something very cool with a very cool company. Um so you'll just have to hang fire and wait and see what that yeah, one is. Just, yeah, stick around the Twitter on Saturday. You'll probably see some photos and stuff going up. But um, some very cool stuff coming. So there's that. We've got MCM London next weekend that I will be back down to. Um, then I know I've got Steampunks in Space coming up again in November. I've got a whole bunch of shows and stuff that I'm going to be going to there's fairly MCM soon. MCM Birmingham in November as well. Sorry? MCM Birmingham. MCM in Birmingham in November, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there's. I've got two outings for Festival of the Spoken Nerd, and I've got Ed Byrne tomorrow night I'm going to see. So. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of stuff going on over the next few weeks. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for stuff. Yep. Obviously, we'll still have more reviews and stuff coming back on the site. Uh, so we haven't mentioned the, the latest two-part Doctor Who, which was pretty awesome. It was, actually. And uh, next week's is the really intriguing one with Maisie Williams. So we'll see how that one goes when it goes out. But, yeah, I've yet, I've yet to put my review up of the last two episodes. But I thought they were stunning. Absolutely fantastic episodes. Yes, primarily for the fact that they address every issue we've ever had with the Moffat storyline, yep. with the bootstrap paradox. Yep. Just like, fine. <laughs> Get. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, if, you're in, if you're in Oxford on the 23rd, uh, I think it's the 23rd, it's a Saturday, there's a BBC Introducing Showcase at the O2. One of the artists playing is Esther Joy Lane. We, You might remember that we had one of her tracks at the end of our Robin Williams episode uh, last year. So she's launching her EP that day in support of uh, a couple of other Oxford acts. So go along and check that out. Uh, Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Right then. Well, thanks everyone for listening. I've been Brendan. I've been Spindles. And until next time, take care and be excellent to each other. (laughs) 